Welcome back to this week's episode of What's Next with Kim Miner, former softball player from Tufts University who went on to Harvard Law School It is now an attorney for the Pawtucket Red Sox, following a number of job positions with the Boston Red Sox. We have a very exciting episode. I can relate well to this one as an attorney myself. Um, So Kim has a lot of great insights about how she transitioned from softball player to attorney, um, getting into Harvard Law School, and then landing an amazing job with, with a professional baseball team. But before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, A Cut Above Athletic Wear. It's a new clothing line and brand specializing in quality, comfort, and lifestyle. A Cut Above Lifestyle is founded on the premise that we should be living our lives, believing believing that there are no boundaries to our true potential, no matter where we are, and simple, and anything is possible, if you really believe and love what you do. They have a unique blend of quality material and their name brand, the clothes themselves, and everyone who wears them are excited, happy, and comfortable. So for all of us former athletes or current athletes who are looking for quality, comfortable, stylish athletic wear, go up to cutaboveathleticwear.com and make sure you insert discount code what's next, one word, to get $10 off your next purchase. All right, we're going to dive in with Kim Miner. I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome back, everybody, to episode, I think this is 22, um, of What's Next. This episode, we have Kim Miner. Um, she's a former softball player from Tufts University, and she's doing great things. She went to Harvard Law School and now is an attorney for the Pawtucket Red Sox in the, in the Fenway Sports Organization. Kim, thank you so much for coming on. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're excited about this one. I, I mean, as all, our, all of our listeners know, um, I'm sure they're thrilled to have two attorneys talking. And yes. <laughs> great <laughs> entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if you're having trouble sleeping. Yeah, right. This is a great lullaby for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but Kim, tell us about your story. Look, we... Um, it's, it's great to hear, it's great to have a, a softball player on, you're actually our first softball player we've had on, um, and especially, it's really interesting to see someone who's working for a big time organization like the Red Sox, so tell us your story, how you got there, um, and we can go from there. Sure, um, okay, so, um, I grew up in, uh, Metro Boston area, uh, basketball and softball were kind of both my sports, um, and then, I was better at softball than I was at basketball. So I started focusing on that. Um, I was a pitcher. Uh, so I spent a ton of my time in high school on softball. It was a huge part of my life. Um, loved it. Um, had an amazing high school softball coach who I think probably had a huge impact on, um, where I've gone and where I am now. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to play in college, um, ended up choosing to go to Tufts for a whole variety of reasons, but one of them was definitely that I knew I wanted to play softball in college. Um, but I also wanted to be near a city and I also knew that I wanted, um, division three because, you know, I wanted to do other things. I wanted to study abroad. Um, so that all kind of went into my decision. So I picked Tufts, um, for those reasons. Um, and I, I mean, I think it ended up being a great decision. I actually met my now husband there, so it worked out well. Great. <laughs> um, but so I, I played at Tufts. One thing that I is probably relevant that I should mention um, 
for our discussion is I played softball at Tufts. I actually quit. What was it? Right before the, my sophomore year softball season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was like in January. So I actually quit the team at that point um, for a whole bunch of reasons, but you could just call it burnout basically. Um, physical, emotional, all of it. It was just, you know, I, I wasn't um, in the right sort of place to be playing softball. So I quit. Um, and then of course needed something to do. So I went and did the cycling team at Tufts for a year. Interesting. Um, I'd never done cycling, but I needed something to compete in. So I just did it on a whim. Um, and so I did that for a year, which, um, was really expensive. Cycling is a very expensive sport with like all the equipment and everything. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Um, but like a year away from softball, I realized that I was missing it. Um, wanted to go back to it. Um, but I, uh, did not come back as a pitcher. Um, I came back on, uh, sort of, a. I don't know, slightly lower level of intensity, at least for myself, um, for my sanity. And so I played infield. I did some outfield as well. I played second base most of my, for a lot of my junior season, um, and came back and played. I played my junior and senior years, really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed my teammates. Um, so I ended up playing three or four years in college. Uh, and then let's see, after college, I took one year, um, off before I went to law school when I, um, I worked for the sports radio station in Boston, one of them, WEI. Um, oh, yeah. I worked at EEI for a bit and then I went and worked for the Red Sox. Uh, it wasn't a full-time gig because I was working in a whole bunch of different departments, but I worked for the Red Sox for, what was that? Like a little over like a year and a half. Um, and did all sorts of things with them. I'd be happy to talk more about, but, um, was there for a while. And then I started law school. Um, as you said, I went to Harvard law school. Um, and I studied there. I did sports law. I did all the sort of sports business classes I could take. Um, had a great time, probably enjoyed myself actually more in law school than I did in undergrad. I just, I really enjoyed the people there. I sort of came into my own, um, had a great time, I uh, worked at the Red Sox uh, one of the summers in law school, and then I worked at one of the um, larger law firms, uh, Wilmer Hale. So I went there, um, and then I went there right out of law school. So I went to Wilmer Hale to work in their corporate practice group, um, and seven months in, I left because I got offered a job uh, with the Pawtucket Red Sox. Um, and for those who don't know, the Pawtucket Red Sox, they're the AAA affiliate of the um, Boston Red Sox, so they're the top minor league team um, for the Red Sox and we're, um, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, which is just outside of Providence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been there for two, just shy of two years now. Um, and I'm I'm loving it. Uh, There's no reason you wouldn't love it. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Um, so there's so much I want to talk about there with your story, but I want to take it back to the cycling team. (laughs) Um, that's, that's so unique and so cool. And And is that, was that a team like wh- I understand you wanted to be a part of a team, right? And there was yeah. kind of like your what's next moment um, after you quit the softball team. You wanted you, you must have tried to think like, what am I going to do now to stay competitive, stay mm-hmm. athletic? And so that was your solution, right? It was. Um, I think that I probably faced that question of what's next sooner than a lot of other collegiate athletes because I had that interruption in my career where, um, and it was you know self-imposed, but I, in my sophomore year of college, had to reckon with the fact that 
softball, which had been my identity for so long, was not even really part of my life. I mean, like it was too painful to go watch the softball team. I wouldn't do any of that. Um, and so I think I did sort of face that a couple of years early. Um, and then I think that made my transition after graduating college a lot easier because I'd already gone through so much of that where you separate your identity as an athlete from, you know, your broader identity. Um, but yeah, I mean, cycling was good. It, it, it it was great fun. It absolutely just filled a void at that point where I did just need something else to really, um, work on. And I think a lot of collegiate athletes can understand that, um, the, the urge to just always be doing something and the urge to fill your time and always be sort of moving forward, driven towards something. So cycling gave me that, you know, it's not, um, going to be like a lifelong hobby of mine or by any means, but it, it certainly helped with that transition. Um, and so in the long run probably helped me and it was fun. Um, too, I got to learn a whole lot more about cycling than I ever thought I would. I mean, it's, it's so interesting because a lot of us, um, or a lot of our former guests, obviously they, they either go play professional sports or they, they play all the way through graduation. And, and it's that at that moment when their career ends for a variety of reasons, whether it be injury or burnout or whatever the reason may be. And the transition, the transition to the real world is so tough because you're, you're like yeah. longing to be for me, right? For me, it was, I'm longing to be part of a team and be competitive. And how do I do that? And mm-hmm. there's not an easy answer to that. And so it's interesting to see how, you know, you, de- you dealt with that so, so soon. And then you dealt with it maybe again upon graduation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. But to a lesser extent, I think it's like the bandaid had been ripped off right. already. Um, and, and I'd already started thinking about, you know, the fact that life was going to go on after softball and softball too. I think for a lot of women's sports, thankfully fewer now, but, um, softball is one of them where, the idea of playing professionally just isn't really there. Um, obviously not for me, someone playing division three at Tufts, but even if you're playing, um, at Arizona or wherever you might go play professionally after, but you're going to still need to have another source of income. You're going to have another career. So for sports where there's no big sort of professional league, certainly no high paying professional league, you kind of have to know that that's going to, that has a natural end anyway, a lot sooner than your body might want, or, you know, mentally you might want. So, um, I don't know. I think I started thinking about it in high school to some extent that, you know, this was college was going to be the end of the line, no matter what. Um, I, you know, never would have thought I would stop softball in the middle of college, but, um, it ended up being the right thing to do. And I think I enjoyed my junior and senior years a lot more because of it. Cause I had perspective. I knew I was doing it because I wanted to, not just cause it was what I had always done. Um, so I think my last two years were actually, um, you know, a lot better because right. of it. Right. Because I, I assume it was probably more or less of a job to you. Whereas, yeah. you know, for me and <clears throat> the team here at what's next, you know, we all played baseball together it was a full-time job and it was, yeah. you know, workouts in the morning, practice in the afternoon, weekends were, were full of games, doubleheaders, et cetera. And there was, there was a level of burnout for me physically and mentally. And so, mm-hmm. so there's definitely something to be said about, I mean, it's interesting that you go back and you're like, okay, I really just love and I love playing the game and I'm just going to enjoy it for now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just going to do it for that reason. Um, and I don't know, there's something powerful about opting into it again, you know, choosing to do it. I mean, what's the last time you chose to do your sport was probably when you were a little kid and you signed up for T-ball, right? Right. So it's, you're, you're like, you're choosing to do it again, 
proactively and, you know, not because your parents are telling you to do it or anyone else. Um, and so there was something where about that where, you know, I felt a sense of ownership. I was doing this because I wanted to and no one was making me. I'd already gone through the process of telling my parents that I was, you know, stopping a sport that they'd invested all this time and money in for me um, and, you know, gone through all of that. So um, it was kind of just my own those last two years. And I, I think there was something really nice about that. And I don't know, I certainly wasn't someone who could have that perspective without having gone through that experience. I think some of my friends especially those who played at a really high level in college. Um, the ones who did well could have that sense of perspective. You know, why am I playing? I'm playing because I love it or I'm playing because it will pay for college or whatever the reason is. But to be able to step back and have a reason, I think, is um, really helpful and probably does help you with that what's next transition, I would think. What was it? Did you so when did you have like immediate regret once you once you quit the team? Or was it this I'm done for good and then was it later on that you realized, look, I'm really – this is what I'm longing for. Like, what was it you're longing for? Was it the team? Was it the camaraderie? Was it the competitive or was it all of the above? Uh, it was all of the above. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I missed that type of physicality. Like cycling was great. Doing any other sport was great, but I missed, you know, the motions of softball or baseball, you know, I, I missed hitting, I missed throwing. Um, I miss all of those sorts of pieces of it. Um, and I think it's a really fun sport to watch and be a part of. I just, I really like the sport. I think it's really beautiful. Um, and so I miss that. I don't think my regret was immediate though. I think I was obviously freaked out when I stopped playing, um, my sophomore year, but I don't think I immediately regretted it. I think I needed some time away before mm. I, I came back to the sport. Yeah, that makes sense. Are you, are you still a cyclist now? I'm not actually. No. Ironically, part of it is cause I live in, I live, so I live here closer to the city, um, in Boston. So cycling, there's, you know, a lot of equipment and it's just a pain and I'm not going to go, um, down city streets to get out somewhere to bike. Um, so perhaps one day if I'm ever living in the suburbs, that'll be a thing that I do. But oh, yeah. you have to join um, one of those cycling clubs. Yeah, exactly. Ride around on Saturdays. <laughs> insanely expensive bike sitting in the garage that is just sitting there doing nothing. So I should use it at some point, but yeah. I, I have, I have no immediate plans. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So let's talk about the transition from, um, you know, after graduation, you, you said you took a year off. Um, what'd you learn in that year? What was that year all about for you? Um, I think that year for me was about, um, sort of putting what I thought, um, was my passion to the test. So deciding, you know, do I really want to make a go of it working in sports? Um, I kind of, I honestly knew that for a while that I probably did want to work in sports if I could. Um, but it was a bit of a, a proving ground. You know, I, like I said before, I worked in, I don't know, probably seven different departments. I did everything from, um, and I, this is all like low level too, you know, entry level type stuff where I worked for fan services. So I answered the calls. I dealt with angry people when there was a rain delay. Um, I, helped with like ballpark planning. I did intern for the legal department. Um, at one point I worked for, um, business development. At one point I, I actually did for a couple of years, I was one of the on-field ball girls. Um, so I did that as well. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, but I literally, I did everything when we had our hundredth anniversary for Fenway park, I helped, um, fly all of the 213 former players in and coordinate with all of them, which was really cool. Actually, that was my, perhaps one of my like 
coolest moments was when I got to talk to my childhood idol, Nomar Garcia Parra, about coordinating like his flight and travel. Um, (laughs) He was very nice, I have to say. Um, I tried really hard not to ever sort of be a fangirl, but in that that one moment, I absolutely was. Of course. Um, But... Um, so I did, like, I did all of those things and, um, you know, the pay's not good. You're hourly. Um, I took up a tutoring job on the side to make much better money. Um, and so it was a, mo- it was a time when I, um, sort of tested out the theory that I wanted to, to do this for a living. And, and I got to see the inside of the organization really well. So I got to see what it was like and figure out if that's what I wanted. Um, and it was, um, but certainly I felt better investing in a law degree and going on after that and having known that, you know, this was something I wanted to go into. Um, and it, it probably was a good transition as well out of, um, college and out of softball because I was still surrounded by the sort of sports mentality. Right. And so was the motive behind that year off, was it, I just want to be around sports or I want to work for the Red Sox? Um, no, it was, it was, it was actually neither of those. It was, I wanted to work. I knew I wasn't going to go straight to law school because I had enough people I trusted tell me to take at least a year off. So I I said, okay, I'll do that. Um, even though, you know, I was antsy and I probably otherwise would have gone straight. Um, but I, I said, I'll take a year off. Um, I was going to be a paralegal at a law firm until that was my backup plan until the Red Sox gig came through. Um, Just until the Red Sox gig came through. (laughs) (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it, it was, I freaked out when I got the call. Um, but it, uh, it was not like the, I'm going to do this or nothing. It was, this is absolutely what I want. I will put everything into trying to getting a job with the Red Sox. But if I can't, you know, I, I want to have an income. I want to have a job and I'll kind of figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I don't even recall what my, what my like next plan was for breaking into sports. If that didn't all work out. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I had one, but I don't yeah, remember what it was. That's all right. <laughs> what was your What was your major in college, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, no. So I was an economics major. Okay. Um, and I minored in entrepreneurial leadership, so basically business. Yep. Um, and uh, I actually did my thesis on um, building the stadium for the Seattle Seahawks back in the day, um, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which is probably, which is relevant to the work you're doing now, probably. It is. It is kind of full circle. Yeah. Right. So was the motive, did you always know that you wanted to go to law school all through college or was it something that, you know, once you started working for the Red Sox, it was, okay, I want to, this is what, this is the path I want to go down. Um, I knew pretty early on. Um, and that's like kind of, I know that's a little bit annoying to say because, you know, people who know, knew what they wanted to do forever, but mm-hmm. I knew from probably at some point in high school that it might be what I wanted to do. I wasn't positive, but I have no lawyers in the family. I have no lawyers that I like knew and wanted to be like, but I felt like getting a JD was a very empowering thing. Um, and it's also something you can do so much with. So I knew whether I actually practiced law or whether I used that to do um, something else. Um, I thought it would be really useful, and I thought it would give me a leg up um, in a way that I, I wanted. I considered a JBM, JD MBA for a while, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to do another year um, of school. I thought three was plenty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. But, uh, I thought the same thing. for another two, I think. But, yeah. Um, but no, so I knew law school was – probably the way I wanted to go just because of all those things. And I, I just, I don't know. I had enough people who knew 
and who I trusted, who thought that might be good for me, that after a while it sort of just sunk in, um, that it actually was a good fit. So, so you, you apply to law school, you get in, obviously, to Harvard. Um, tell us what that's like, because, I mean, it's a unique experience, right? This is interesting. We've had a couple attorneys on the, the podcast, and mm-hmm. a lot of them have said, you know, for the same reasons, right? I went to law school because I always knew I wanted to, you know, work in government or, um, yeah. work, you know, work in sports like you, but, but um, not, not everybody we talk to goes to Harvard, <laughs> right? And so it, it, it's a, it's <laughs> yeah. a different perspective. Um, it's a different perspective yeah. because a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of people have an assumption and I don't want, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. And I, excuse me if, no. I, if it does, but a, po- a lot of Go people assume like, oh, everyone who goes to Harvard is guaranteed to get whatever job they want. Right. Okay. Yep. And so some like people we have on or people I talk to, you know, that I went to law school with or, you know, they say, you know, I can never get a job like like working for the Red Sox or working, mm-hmm. you know, for the Celtics because I didn't go to Harvard or Yale mm-hmm. or, or what's, what's your take on all of that? Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel so mixed about it. I mean, the reality is, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I suppose that your odds are better. Um, I'm sure that that probably is true. Um, but I don't know. It's like, I don't know if it's correlation or causation. I have no idea. I think, um, one of the things that at least anecdotally I found in sports is that, um, your, your resume might get you through the door. It also might not be the thing that gets you through the door. You might have a connection. You might have, um, good luck. You might be one of a whole bunch of things, but there are certain skills that you have to have, um, adaptability being like one of the main ones and certainly a a real sense of drive. I mean, sports organizations are small, relatively speaking. And so there's only so many jobs. Um, so you, you have to prove yourself pretty quickly. So I absolutely think that your degree can be something that gives you a leg up, a really big leg up, but I don't think you're going to last that long. I'm sure there are exceptions. I don't think you're going to last that long if you don't, um, deliver on everything else. Um, you know, but yeah, I don't know. For someone who says that, you know, it's, that's maybe they don't believe that coming from someone who went to Harvard. Um, but I will say that, you know, I, I actually debated going to Harvard because I thought coming out of it that, um, when I got in, so I was looking at, I knew I wanted to stay in Boston. So Mm -hmm. I actually only applied to BUBC and Harvard. Mm Um, and I considered not going to Harvard because first of all, I thought everyone would be stuck up, um, and not nice. Um, and it was going to be miserable. And second of all, because, I was worried after the fact that as much as I might come off as competent because of my degree, I also, someone might think I'm, um, I'm stuck up or someone might think that I think I need, don't need to work hard or whatever it is. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I actually did think about that. Um, and I, I was actually told by my now boss with the Pawtucket Red Sox, the president, um, Charles Steinberg, um, who was at the Red Sox, Padres, Orioles, um, commissioner's office. Um, he's been in a lot of places. I was told that I was dumb for second guessing going to Harvard. Uh, <laughs> I was like, no, if you get in, you should go. It can only help. Um, and you kind of can make of it what you want. It's three years. And I didn't choose to go to Harvard because of that, but he was totally right. Um, in that, you know, it, it, it helps get you conversations you might not have had otherwise. Um, I don't necessarily know that it does more than that though. Um, you know, you can get yeah. into a conversation and really 
disappoint. And I don't think that it matters if you went to X, Y, Z other school. Um, but, but I don't know. I mean, I get it. Um, I certainly feel really grateful that I, you know, got to go there and got of to course. have that. Um, and I, I was really proud of the other people I went to school with. I felt like the, I, I loved my classmates. Um, and I did not expect that. I thought I would just kind of get by and deal with all these snobs. And I ended up finding a ton of really great people there. Um, I don't know if that's true of the undergrad, but I felt like the law school had, um, some tremendous people. I mean, I can attest to that. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't go to Harvard, but in my job now I'm work, I'm, you know, interfacing with so many people from the Ivy league law schools. And, mm-hmm. and I can say not all, like, obviously there are some that are stuck up, but it's, <laughs> it's surprising because I, you know, I didn't, from my perspective, I'd never been in that, that environment. Right. And so yeah. I had the, the, the perspective of, Hey, every one of these everyone who goes to Harvard is really stuck up and wears sweater vests and, you know, you know, just because I don't know. Right. And I think everyone may have that. And it was actually, it was comforting to, to, to talk to these, you know, attorneys from big law firms who are in their sixties and went to Harvard law, went back when Harvard was like, you know, extremely small, you know, and, and they're like amazing people. And it's so easy to talk to them. And it's like, okay, not everybody from Harvard is great. It is like that. So, (laughs) so, so, yeah, um, it is interesting. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. Yeah, um, it's it's think, it's it's cool to see two different perspectives. It is, and I wonder too if maybe my perspective on this is a little different because I did go to Tufts undergrad, right? Like I didn't go to Harvard undergrad. I went to Tufts, which right. is a great school, but a lot of people think Tufts kids have a chip on their shoulder because they didn't go to Harvard, right? Right. And so maybe I've been through that feeling already. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, I don't know, but I think that complicates my view on it. Is I, I didn't. It's not like I only went to Ivy League schools, right? Uh, and I think you, I, I think you can get a lot out of both. And I think that an Ivy League degree can get you far, but it, it won't get you all the way there. Um, Ivy League degree aside, <laughs> um, like what's some advice to the, some of those people who you know may want a job with a job like yours, not with the Red Sox, but <laughs> for any professional team in whatever sport it is. And they don't have a, you know, I'm not even talking a law degree, right? I'm talking any degree. They don't have the prestige of an Ivy League. What Mm -hmm. what would you say, what are some tips you'd give to those people? Um, I would say, first of all, don't psych yourself out, if at all possible, um, by comparing yourself to people, um, whether it's because someone has a certain degree or because someone else is got a connection. I mean, you do see a fair amount of that in sports, right? Where someone's uncle did something or, or, you know, their, their parent worked in, in for some team and got them their job or whatever, you know, you can see some of that in sports. Um, I feel like it's best not to compare yourself and that's easier said than done, of course, but, um, it's, I don't think it ever helps really. Um, I would also say though, that certainly what I found is just getting your foot in the door can be absolutely the hardest part. Um, and if you can kind of get rid of any ego about how you go about doing that. Um, I mean, I, when I started, I thought I was just going to be working with fans all the time at the Red Sox. I got other opportunities because apparently I was doing well, but you know, I was prepared to sit in the concession or sit in the um, concourse and answer fan questions all the time or do whatever. And, you know, no job is below you, that sort of attitude. I do feel like that goes so far in sports. I think it's really, really appreciated. And I'm sure it's true of other industries, but I think if you can find a way to get your foot in the door, however, 
however you have to do that. You know, one good way with sports, or at least, you know, in my experience is you can go work as like a tour guide or something, right? You give tours of the facility or something. And all of a sudden you're, you're part of the front office and you're getting to know people and they recognize your face and you become trusted. Um, well, really whatever it takes to get your foot in the door from there, um, you have a real opportunity to prove yourself. Um, and I think at that point, any sort of resume almost goes out the door. Like it's just not relevant as uh, you know, whatever you're delivering on a day-to-day basis this is what matters. Um, and to their credit, in my experience, you know, um, organizations can recognize that. And I think sports teams do generally like to promote with within from within as much as possible. Um, so if you can get in, generally speaking, you know, you can kind of climb as much as, as you want. Um, you hear that so. you hear that a lot, not just in sports, but to your point, to, in any industry, right? It's yeah. it's always get your foot in the door, do do the job nobody else wants to do, mm-hmm. and then you know when you get when you when the opportunity is there, you know you're someone that they recognize, and maybe they're more likely to to promote you to that to the job you actually want. So totally, yeah. You might you may have been like in the mail room, right. but someone recognizes you and thinks that you always look like you're working hard and you're serious and you're focused. So they call on you when they need someone in a pinch and you do a good job and all of a sudden things are happening. Right. A little um, goes a long way. Yeah. It re- it really does. I mean it's it's cliche, but it, I've seen too many examples of that to to not believe it. Right. Um, so let's talk about the job you're in now. The actual, sure. um, and to the extent you can, I know, you know, we have, we have all the attorneys on and it's, there's not some information we can't give out, but yeah. to the extent you can, you can share with us or the listeners, like what the job entails, because there may be some people now who are listening, who are, you know, a sophomore or junior in college, maybe a softball player, and they're trying to figure out what's next. And maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be something they're interested in. Sure. Um, so I, I am the in-house lawyer for the team and I'm the only one. So I'm the only lawyer on staff. And before I was there, there was no lawyer. Um, so that's been an adjustment, but so I'm the lawyer, um, for the team. Um, but I also am a vice president. So I also do have a sort of business strategy role for the team as well. Um, so my day to day varies widely, but you know, I could be, doing very typical lawyer things like, um, writing a lot of contracts. I could be revising the language that's on the back of our tickets that you get when you go to a game, right? Like I could be looking Mm -hmm. at that. I could be, um, booking an event where we've got someone coming in to do a concert at our stadium and we have to have a contract with them. So certainly there's a lot of contracts law that I do, but I'm the in-house lawyer and I'm the only one. So I do everything. So if an employee gets hurt, um, on the job. I handle that. If, um, you know, any, you know, various HR stuff, I pinch hit for that as well. Um, I do negotiations. I do politics, which I didn't think I would ever do. Ah. Um, so I do some of that. I do a lot of business stuff. I do a lot of taking off my lawyer hat to some extent and thinking more just common sense wise about running the business, um, which is something I really enjoy. Um, you know, being a lawyer in a sports team is just like being a lawyer in any other business, um, except, you know, the, the subject matter is different, but it's not that different, um, with a couple of exceptions. Um, so I'm, I'm like any other generalist house lawyer. Um, but a lot of my time right now and um, this is probably something I won't talk about too, too in too much detail, but what I'm working, what I spend a lot of my time on right now is, um, our team is coming to the end of our lease at our current ballpark. And so we're trying to figure out what happens after that. Um, 
And so I spent a lot of my time on that and that's where politics get involved. Um, you know, all sorts of other things that I, I was never trained to do or I, a lot that I was, but some that I wasn't. And, um, just a lot of learning on your feet, which is certainly something that I think as an athlete you get used to. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun, but you just kind of, you go along for the ride. Yeah. I think, I think that's one, one characteristic of, of former athletes is we're very quick on our feet. And I'm, you know, for me personally, I'm finding that out in my job, right? It's, mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I work in house. Um, yep. and there's not much training, uh, a legal training given to me or anyone coming, a young lawyers in house. So it's a lot of, Hey, mm-hmm. Hey, Hey Kevin, here's this assignment. Just can you just get it done with no direction, yep. no nothing. And I'm forced to figure out how to get it done. And I think, yeah. and I attribute that, you know, the confidence, I think having confidence mm-hmm. to get it done in yourself, that, that stems back to my days pitching, right? It's, yeah. Hey, here's a battery you probably never faced before. Um, you just got to get them out, figure yeah. it out, you know, and <laughs> that sounds cliche, but, but I think, no, but I think it's, so it's a, true. yeah, right. It is. Um, and I think that the, uh, there's a little bit of a fake it till you make it thing. Um, certainly I think as a pitcher, maybe this is, I'm sure this is true with all sorts of positions, but as a pitcher, certainly you have a lot of eyes on you. Um, and you're right. You might not know how to deal with a certain batter or a certain situation, but you never want to show that on your face or in your body language or any of that. Um, and a lot of that does apply to just being a professional in whatever career you might be in. Um, and certainly for me, as I think someone who is prone to do a lot of the like psyching out that I said before, you know, as a pitcher, you know, I was, um, someone who might be prone to saying, Oh, this batter's got an incredible, uh, had an incredible year. I'm, you know, nervous, blah, 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 working through that and getting past all of that and just kind of getting the job done, I think trained me really well for, for really just life as a professional in any industry. Um, and so, you know, and I'm sure those are skills you can also learn in other areas besides sports, but certainly sports do prepare you really well. Definitely. Um, so what, this, is, this is kind of a weird question, but what are you most proud of, of out of all the, all the success you've had, you know, going to a great school, playing college softball, um, going to Harvard, getting your dream job, right, with the Red Sox, um, this early in your career, um, what, what are you most proud of? Mm. That's a really, obviously that's a really hard question. Um, the thing that I can think of right now, and certainly that, you know, seems relevant to this conversation, um, is that I'm still can have fun, um, doing what I'm doing. I think that, um, and in all sort of in all aspects, I think that the fact that I can from time to time and probably should do this more, but can from time to time step back and say, oh, it's pretty cool that I get to do this. Or it's pretty cool that the thing that's frustrating me is, you know, has to do with a baseball field that my team's playing on or whatever it might be. Um, so maybe that's that's a longer way of saying keeping perspective. I think that I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, especially as someone who's pretty competitive and pretty driven, I think that being able to take a step back and see the big picture is something I've worked hard on. And I think it makes me happier in my day to day life. And it probably makes me a better, um, lawyer, a better colleague. Um, and also it, I think allows me to be grateful for the job that I have. And so, you know, I can, I can kind of have a better attitude and withstand all the various things things that come my way. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't think that that's something that has, 
always comes naturally. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I am. Um, I think that has made me a more stable person. Um, you know, I love but. that. I love that. Um, so we're getting up a little closer to the end here. So we have some questions that we typically ask at the end, um, to all of our, it's, it's interesting to see all the different responses we get. So, um, let's imagine you're talking to a current sophomore, junior or senior, you know, in college, former, mm-hmm. uh, current athlete. And they're coming upon that time where grad, they're starting to meet with their career advisors and playing days are, you know, drifting away, coming to an end. Um, what's some advice you'd give to them, um, as they enter the real world and hit graduation and try to find a new job? I would, let's see, I think first of all, I'd tell them to think about life after college, life after at least highly competitive sports, um, sooner rather than later and not in a depressing, it's coming to an end sort of way, but, um, just in, in more of a realistic sort of way so that, um, it's not a surprise. I did see a fair amount of peers of mine who were surprised sort of when college and sports ended and it is, it's what now, what's what next. Um, and I think if you can avoid that, that's probably good. Um, but, but again, not distracting from enjoying the whole, the ride along the way. Um, I also think it can make you maybe more appreciative of the process. I mean, being a college student and being, uh, someone who plays a sport competitively is a ton of work, but it's also a ton of fun. And it's cool that you have getting years in your life that where that you can devote to both of those things. Um, and so I think if you can appreciate that, I think that's a really good start. Um, I would say, um, you know, something else that I think would be useful is just thinking about the people you surround yourself with and who you will continue to surround yourself with in the future. Um, I have found that having a really solid base of people around me, and that can obviously be friends, that can be significant others, but also like friend, um, family, but uh, peers in school, for me in law school, I think if you have a solid base of people who can keep you grounded and also um, check you, give you support when you need it, I think that will serve you no matter where you go. Um, and especially as an athlete, you're probably used to being surrounded by other people. Maybe you were on a team sport. Um, you probably are someone who thrives, um, with the support and encouragement of other people. And so creating that sort of team for yourself after school, I think is, is really important, um, professionally and personally. Um, and it's something that I've found to be, to be really critical. Um, and then the only other thing I would say is I would say, you know, you're coming out with a college degree, but don't don't let that, um, cause you to think that you want to start at a certain level and you're too proud to take certain jobs, take whatever job you can get and whatever thing interests you. Um, like we were talking about earlier, like start in the mail room, start wherever you have to start, start with like a one day a week job. Then they'll like begrudgingly let you come in and like do something one day a week, whatever it is, just start with it. If you're passionate about it, because I think, um, as I, as we said, that's the hardest part. Um, and wherever you go from there, you know, is up to you at that point. Um, so don't be, don't be too proud about it. I would say. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, how can we help you here? What's next? Gosh, if we can help at all. Um, I, I think, I think this is a fantastic discussion to have. Um, I think that this is a transition that is overlooked so much. Um, 
And so I think, um, just having the discussion in and of itself is so valuable of what do you do in that transition, that really tough transition in your life. Um, so I think that what you guys are already doing in terms of providing a resource, perhaps providing some support, having people talk, hear from people who are similar to them. I think all of that is already terrific. Um, and I frankly wish I had had it when I was coming out of college. Um, you know, so I could hear Mm -hmm. how other people handled that transition. Um, you know, it's nothing new. All of us are going through that. And so it's nice to get people together to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say just keep producing more of these. Um, I love to listen and I will continue to do so. Great. I mean, I mean, that's what we're trying to do is, you know, we have in college where we were also stuck, stuck to our, our school's career services and to try to find jobs and network with people. And we're only limited right to our, to our school's alumni. And what we're trying to do is just expand that community of former athletes and tell more stories of people so that, you know, if someone wants to reach out to you from some school, some school in California, they can listen in and reach out to you and like pick your brain. So it's, it's really encouraging and we really appreciate having everybody on as well. It's, it's great. Absolutely. It's, it makes a lot of sense for all of us to create sort of a community and to help support each other. Um, there's really no reason not to, and we've all probably got a lot of similarities. A mm-hmm. um, couple more questions. Um, what are some resources, other podcasts, we won't be offended, um, <laughs> that, that, that you listen to or books, or books that you really you know, stay, stay true to? Um, so let's see. I, I will give you one other po- podcast, complimentary, I think, to what you guys are doing, um, which anyone should listen to. Um, certainly um, uh, other women, especially other women looking to get into sports. Um, it's called Leveling the Playing Field. Um, it's a podcast by Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, who's also a um, female attorney in the sports world. Uh, she works for the Tampa, uh, to, yeah, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and she's, uh, it's, but it is not a, a podcast just for lawyers. It's for women working in sports generally. Um, and that one I think actually has been around for a similar amount of time as, as your podcast. And so, um, that's a really great one that I would recommend. Um, the other sources I would recommend are not so much books, but I would say anyone interested in sports in the legal field or otherwise, um, follow Michael McCann. He's mm-hmm. terrific. Yeah, he um, is. yeah, he's at the university of New Hampshire. Um, we had him come and speak for, um, some seminars and, um, uh, events at, at the law school when I was at HLS. Um, but he writes for sports illustrated. He has his sports law blog where they do write blog posts, but they've also got a really active Twitter feed. Um, and I love his takes on things. He's really good at breaking down complicated legal issues to just normal everyday speak. Um, I think he's terrific. Um, and he's a really nice guy. Um, and then the last one I would say is, um, I, I listen to sports radio all the time, um, all the time. And that was actually one of the things that I found I loved about my current job was when I realized everyone else at work also had sports radio on at their <laughs> desk. That's when I knew I was like amongst my people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I listen all the time. And so, um, you know, that's for me personally, but you know, whatever industry you're in, I think if you just kind of immerse yourself in it in that way, um, you know, that way you stay educated on things and hopefully you find it interesting. And then find some time to watch some of the March Madness in the office as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yes, we, we do a lot of that. That is one perk of working in sports is there's a high tolerance for paying attention to other sporting Yes, yeah, that's awesome. Um, last question, what's next for you? Mm, 
uh, hopefully figuring out a, um, a future home for our team. Um, that's on the horizon. I'm hoping we can get that all squared away. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the process from a business and legal perspective of, um, moving into a new facility, going through the construction process, all of that. There's obviously a ton of really cool legal challenges that go into that, but also it'll be fun to watch and it'll be fun to actually legitimately build something and be part of that. Um, from there out, I don't really know. Um, and that is, uh, challenging for someone who's a planner like I am. Um, and I'm sure you probably are too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's, That's awesome. Well, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really thank appreciate it. Everybody listening, um, we'll put the, some notes from this show in the show notes. Um, we'll put some of a link to, to Kim's LinkedIn page if you want to reach out to her. Um, everyone can just let us know if you want to reach out to her too. We can, we're happy to put you in contact with all of our guests. Um, so, Kim... Thank you again. You had some, this was a great conversation, um, and we hope to have you on again soon in a year. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me. This was great. And there you have it with Kim Miner. What a great episode. I had a blast talking with her for about an hour. I took a lot away from that episode specifically. You know, do the job no one else wants to do and you can set yourself up with success. That's just one of the tidbits I took away. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll put all of her contact info in the show notes. Make sure you check those out. Uh, we'll, we'll add a link to her LinkedIn as well if you want to reach out to her. Um, feel free to do so. She's, she's a pleasure to talk to. Thank you so much for listening. We'll hope to see you next time on What's Next.